listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey, Bruce Nealon, you're part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I am proud to have you here. Never get a chance to just sit down and talk with you because you're so busy and I'm so busy. You had your 12th road trip where you were on the road uh, visiting pharmacists throughout the nation. Um, Your podcast is going absolute gangbusters crazy. You're on your 30th episode that you just put out. um, Wonderful episode called Growing Your Pharmacy's Profitability and Becoming an Accredited or certified um, with the one and only Sandy Canale. Um, but welcome to um, our collective show now. Um, we're, we're actually pre-calling it the, the This Week in Pharmacy, but um, I don't have a place to put it today. So it's just going to go out as a Pharmacy Podcast Network episode, but it's good to talk to you, Bruce. Well, and it, it it's good to be with you. And, and uh, you know, as we self-congratulate each other, I, I just want to say again, what a what a marvelous thing you have created in the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And, uh, you know, 10, 11 years ago, uh, you couldn't have imagined what you've accomplished. And, you know, it's uh, it's you've made an awful lot of friends in the industry and uh, created a remarkable reputation. Congratulations. Well, thank you. You know, you and I have roots um, into each other as publishers and some of my writings um, got pushed out through um, different blogs that I was writing back in my soft writers days. And I was a um, avid reader of computer talk and you were um, a participant there. And that's when I learned about uh, Bruce Nealon and you've been one of those publishing um, um, heroes that I've had that I've said, Hey, you know what? Bruce has done things in publishing in, in the world of community pharmacy and pharmacy in general that I really wanted to expand into audio. And, and that's why I was so excited that you joined the Pharmacy Podcast Network and seeing Pharmacy Crossroads um, blow up and what it's become. Um, the number one podcast in our community, Pharmacy Focus. Um, and the reason is, is because you're good at what you do and you're trustworthy and you're extremely sincere as to what you're talking about. And that's something that I admire. So appreciate you. Well, thank you. Let me remind you, you're talking to Bruce Neeland. So it you you might have had me confused with somebody else there for a minute, but uh, <laughs> let, let's proceed. So, yeah. All right. So let's talk about the evolution of what you've what you're doing. And 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 also, I want to talk to you about the seven secrets of successful pharmacy owners and um, the paper that in the, the article that you're going to be putting out later. But let's return to what is um, the subject um, of of all of our conversations, and that is community pharmacy. Uh, you've been in the marketplace for quite some time. You've seen pharmacy change multiple times in, in the variations that have become. In some ways, I think the next variation of community pharmacy is in some ways the most difficult, but it's also the building of what I call the new age of pharmacy into transforming our pharmacists from dispensing people um, and assuring the health of our public, um, which is obviously still not job number one, to becoming the clinician, to becoming the practitioner in their community of doing other things that have nothing to do with the prescription. But before we get into that conversation, I really just wanted to get an overview 
of how you're feeling right now about where community pharmacy is going. And um, you're a, you're just an encyclopedia of information when it comes to community pharmacy success. So, um, well, and you know, that's a difficult question, but you know, I, I certainly have uh, one of my favorite quotes is attributed to Yogi Berra, the baseball player. And the, it says you can observe a lot just by watching and, and I think that's the the role I play in pharmacy is I'm not a player, I'm an observer, um, but I get to watch a lot. And, um, you know, it, it's clear, uh, the thing that I'm comfortable saying is that the pharmacy profession needs to start viewing itself as healthcare professionals with expertise in medications. Um, I am one who believes that the pharmacy of the future the pharmacy of today needs to own the physical handling of the medications. Um, but they need to, and everybody knows they need to. And, and the, the beauty of it is, is there 10, 15, 20 directions they can go and stay healthcare professionals. Um, and, you know, the, the classic ones are certainly compounding or, uh, infusion, but this whole new medical home piece where you can help take care of people in their home. You interviewed somebody the other day who five years ago, I wrote an article for drug topics about how these home instead and happier at home franchise businesses that are out there are looking for business people to buy a franchise who might be able to succeed. And, and that's a business that belongs in a pharmacy. Um, I've, I, you know, so if, if, if it has to do with helping people feel better and uh, live healthier lives, uh, a pharmacy has an opportunity to participate in that. And that means, and I, I, you know, on my last road trip, Michelle Belcher, the immediate past president of NCPA, what a wonderful lady. She, she's telling me that, you know, as she talks with people, they keep saying, well, that means we have to do different stuff. We have to walk away from our computer and do something else, or this won't work in our pharmacy computer. And she came up, says, if you want to get paid different, you got to do different. And um, so, you know, healthcare is growing um, and it's a wonderful opportunity and it belongs in a pharmacy. People can get to the pharmacy easier than they can get anywhere else. So, the future is bright if they change and change how we're still struggling with what that is. The problem is, is that the skills it takes to move forward are people skills. And um, traditionally, pharmacists are not known for being people people. They're known for being detail people. That's the challenge. We got to change the got to change the outlook of the pharmacists on who he is. It's a good point. And. I see um, point of care testing and, um, you know, consultancy at employer groups, um, the representation of, of pharmacy in human resources and organizations that are part of communities, reaching out to the pharmacist for advice and for guidance. That's always been part of community pharmacy, but now it needs to be payable and it needs to be transactional and they need to be able to tie it back to without interrupting the intimacy between the patient and the pharmacist, they have to get paid for doing these things so that we can move away from the hostage that is the PBMs and the current uh, way that things are working. And rather than 
thinking of of that as the primary. I want it to become a secondary argument, and we'll continue to fight for PBM reform, and we'll continue to fight for how we're um, compensating the 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 assurance of the safety of the prescription. But it, as you're saying, there are other things that pharmacists are already doing and could be doing and added into the services that they're providing their community, seeing their uh, patients nine times uh, that the physician is. Uh, and, 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 and we're seeing pharmacists do those kinds of things. So the, 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 yeah, I had a boss one time who used to say it only takes growing one black rose to prove that you can blow, grow black roses. And uh, the point is, is we've got hundreds of pharmacists who are doing stuff that nobody ever thought of and, and making it happen. And, you know, the challenge, I think, for NCPA or the group purchasing organizations is to, to find these guys and, and roll programs together around them and teach other people to do that stuff. You know, another aspect, and this is tough love, is the fact that many of our national associations who are subject matter experts in one facet of pharmacy traditionally have not worked together very well. And um, the, the, <clears throat> the APHA two years ago started this bridge building between multiple national organizations that had focus around community, around specialty, around uh, senior care, and they literally started building some amazing bridges. They still are, but there's still a lot of that that needs to the the CEOs of these big organizations, the ASHP, for example, mid years coming up um, here um, just this week and next week. Though that organization right there, as gargantuan and as big and as profitable as they are, they need to understand that they're part of this bigger universe of pharmacy care. And they need to stop with this um, moat around their castle. And they need to start lowering those drawbridges to every facet of healthcare, including other sectors of pharmacy, so that when your patient is in the hospital, it's seamless when they go to their homes that the community pharmacy picks up the baton, implements happier at home uh, to actually care for the patient, and starts to uh, assure that the treatment plans that were put in place by the physician at the hospital in, in an emergency care situation are followed through. And, and they say they do it, but I just experienced something within the last two weeks that shows me that, that it's not part of their soul as an organization to be collaborative. They're still keeping their marbles and their pieces of whatever control that they think and they're a sandbox to themselves. And that's very frustrating as an as another observer, because I'm like you, I'm not a pharmacist. I'm an observer. I'm a document guy. I, I like to, to show um, the progression of different facets of pharmacy. And of course, we like to do that through podcasting. But um, I, I'm standing back uh, on the sidelines watching the players on the field. And I'm like, wait a second, that community pharmacist is wide open uh, quarterback. Why yeah, aren't you throwing throw it off? <laughs> Well, and it just dawns on me sitting here, you know, looking at you with your logo behind you, the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I mean, you have podcasters in literally every avenue of pharmacy, uh, you know, no matter what their practice setting. Um, so you you kind of are the the glue that can pull this together. So that's that's a great vision for you to grow. I hope so. I, I think with our 
educational lead and our push out of content that is true education and continuing education, I think we can gather together the different sectors of pharmacy and kind of try to blend them together as much as we can. I know that that subject matter expertise is important, um, but when it comes back to it, who's the most important person in healthcare? It's our patient. That's the most important person in the entire healthcare ecosystem. And the organization that has more touch with those people ongoing are our community pharmacists. So, um, and that's just what I believe. And we can, or I guess we could make it another podcast to argue that point later, but um, let's talk about the seven secrets of successful pharmacy owners, because as a document and, and journalist and uh, a writer, you have you 12 trips out in the world of, of, of our nation, collecting stories of community pharmacists. I want our community pharmacists to uh, listen in um, and, and gather this wisdom from you. And what are the seven secrets of successful pharmacy owners? Well, let me give you the foundation. So, I mean, there's obviously a hundred secrets of successful pharmacists, but uh, I've tried to take and, and, you know, step back through, I've done 12 of these road trips now. It's a, uh, adds up to a little over 120 pharmacies that I have visited by by nomination, pre-selection, and by appointment. And and I think there's sometimes when I talk about being the road trip guy, people think I just get in a car and wander off someplace, but it you know, it's never been that simple. It's a, it's a process of, you know, uh, talking with people who are in a specific geographic area, having them recommend pharmacists that are doing things that are remarkable, and then, you know, I can't visit five guys who are doing remarkable things with nutritional supplements. I got to find people who are doing remarkable things in different areas. And, and, and it's a wonderful experience when you go to a pharmacy by appointment, they've agreed to meet with me. They know they're going to spend two, three hours with me. Um, and they know I'm not there to sell anything. So I'm there to ask questions. You know, how did you find out this? What, where'd you come up with this idea? you know, how's it working for you? And, 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 and it's been a wonderful experience. So as I sat down, you know, a, a couple months ago to kind of think about how do I put a capstone on these, uh, these road trips, I, I thought I wanted to write an article and now you're kind enough to talk to me about it, but I've distilled it into seven secrets and I'll just jump in and tell you what the first one is. And I think it's the most important one. And it's the, you know, it's the one that I think most of our pharmacy owners don't stop to realize, and that's have a noble cause, um, have a purpose, have a vision for something that you're doing that's bigger than you, that's more important than money. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's the big vision. And um, the, the way I have tried to illustrate the power of that in some of the CE programs I've chatted in in the past is to talk about um the United States Marine Corps, mm -hmm. you know, a, a few good men, uh, Uncle Sam wants you. And, and the point being is, is that the United States military has for 200 and some odd years now been able to persuade people to join and to go off and fight in foreign lands, to eat crummy food, to sleep in foxholes and, you know, and, and be bossed around and make lousy pay for doing it. And um, they get them to do it because we believe that we're doing something that's noble. And, you know, in this great resignation or this great quiet quitting or this tough time we have hiring people and keeping them, 
Um, we need to recognize that we need to look for people who are who can be persuaded that what they're doing is more important than than their wage. Uh, we're helping people live happier, healthier, more productive lives. We're saving people. Um, you know, so all of that stuff that we do around healthcare that you know right now is clearly focused on the pills and the bottle um, is important. It it matters. And um, if if we can get people to understand and visualize that, uh, we still need to pay good wages. We still need to be nice people to work for, all those things. But we can get a little bit more from our people than somebody can who's, you know, running the McDonald's restaurant down at the street corner that's competing with you on wages. So it's a it's a healthcare professional job and people does people respect that. It's a, it's a respected career opportunity. So first one is to have a noble cause. And that's going to take some thinking to figure out how you articulate that. And um, we'll talk about the importance of articulation when I get to a couple of the other, the other points. Ready to build the next one that flows out of that? Absolutely. So you got to build a team. Um, and any football coach or baseball coach or drill sergeant knows that you need to you need to get the people to, to cooperate, to coordinate. You need to, you need to have people who are experts in different areas. Um, you have to have some fun. You have to be able to tap into the community and, and have a sense of pride in your town and your community. You need to hire right. Um, and when we're panicked to get somebody to come to work, we often stop too short of making sure that we're finding the right person. And, um, you know, I've seen people, I, I just visited one of the pharmacies in Reno on this most recent road trip. And then the first thing that jumped out at me when I walked in the pharmacy was right along the pharmacy counter was their three awards for being selected as one of the top places to work in Reno the last three years in a row. Hmm. And that doesn't happen by accident. Uh, after I saw those awards, I was greeted by the owner who invited me into the training room where they were just breaking up from having a company lunch. And, um, you know, the, the employees sat down together. They had a nice meal. They chatted. They talked. They celebrated. Um, it was, you know, just before uh, uh, the, the fall of the year. So the kids are going back to school. It was just they just built a family environment. So. You've got to hire right. You got to terminate fast. Um, if you've got an employee who's a, a a complainer who doesn't understand the vision, who's drawing people down, you can't let that bad apple stay on your payroll. And figuring out how to let people go artfully is is a tough skill, but you got to figure it out. So you got to train. You got to delegate. You got to have career paths. Um, one of, one of the things I think we make a mistake on is that we think when we ask somebody to do something new or different that we need to promote them, we need to give them more money. I, I don't know that that's always the case. Um, you can just say, find a person who's, who's got the right personality and say, how would you like to get out of the pharmacy two hours every Thursday and go call on doctors? Um, you know, you don't need to pay him more to do that. Some people will say, hey, that's better than a raise to be able to get out of the pharmacy for a couple hours. So find your people, give them different tasks. Everybody's not the quarterback. Everybody's not the center. Everybody's not the punter. 
find the different jobs for the different personalities and characteristics. And the pharmacies that I see that are super successful have figured out how to do that. Um, those are people skills. Those aren't clinical skills. Does that make sense? It does. So you want to hear number three? I do. Okay. Um, this is perhaps the most obvious, but you have to run a well-oiled machine. Um, it's got to be, you got to have your ducks in a row. You got to have job descriptions. You got to have tasks, assignments. You got to have work schedules. You got to have goals. Um, you've got to not make mistakes. Um, and, you know, this is the thing that I think is easiest for most detail oriented pharmacists is to put together, you know, to put together those processes. But there's, you know, there's, there's nothing that can replace um, being able to fill prescriptions fast, accurately. Um, that's the core skill. If you can't do that, nothing else you do matters. Um, and, you know, fortunately, there's all kinds of technology that can help with that. And, you know, the wise purchase of technology and the utilization of technology in the pharmacy, um, it, it, those, those things need to be done Again, what kind of technology will be dependent on where you think you want to go and what you want to do. But, um, you know, I don't know that everybody needs a robot. Uh, I think everybody needs a pill counter. Um, and, uh, you know, I think everybody at this point in time needs to be seriously thinking about convenience or pouch packaging as well. So, you know, those are some of the things that, that uh, will help you run that well-oiled machine. Your pharmacy system I, I just creating a PowerPoint presentation today to give to a company that's kind of new to the industry. And it was amazing to me to realize how many things a pharmacy management system needs to do and to try to document all of those. So you've got to be able to use all the tools that you've already bought. And, um, you know, too many times people have a powerful point of sale system that they never look at those reports and they're not trying to figure out how to create a loyalty program that does anything other than give points for people for buying what they were already going to buy. But those point of sale systems have the ability to create, you know, uh, uh, lists and, and uh, reports that can help you figure out how to take people who aren't buying anything up, uh, in the front end, just buying prescriptions and, you know, put together a promotion and a program that's custom to them You've got to get people to shop the front end. I mean, it's just has to be just has to happen. I don't care whether you've got a very clinically oriented pharmacy or one that's selling gifts and toys. You've got to boost that front end. So a well-oiled machine is number three. Number four. What's number four? Um, reminds me of the old uh, uh, Johnny Carson show with... Uh, <laughs> You're not old enough to remember Johnny. Oh, Carson. yes, I am. Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. I, yeah, I used to watch it. So number four is uh, be a people person. Um, I think we've chatted a little bit about that already. Um, pharmacy is a people business. And if you can't make people like you, um, you probably ought to be working as a, you know, a, a researcher in some pharmaceutical company because it's a, you, if, if people don't come into the store and feel a vibe um, and uh, they have to know that the staff likes each other, um, if there's tension and, and anxiety and angst between staff and the owner, 
If, if people on your team don't know how to deal with difficult customers, and heaven knows we get a lot of those now, um, it, it's, it, you have to be a people person and you have to surround yourself with people who know how to do that. That doesn't mean everybody on your pharmacy is going to be the, the, the happy-go-lucky person. Right, you know, right. somebody who's taking care of the reconciliation programs and the bookkeeping, you know, they don't need to deal with the public. But, you know, anybody who's facing the public needs to know and understand that this is a people business. I, my, my uh, fourth child, my third daughter in 1995 graduated from high school and took a job with a, a restaurant company called Joe's Crab Shacks. And I don't know whether you've seen those. I don't see many of them anymore. But I was impressed with two things. Before they let her greet a customer, they made her go to a, a, you know, a 12 hour training course, uh, three or four hours a day for three or four days. And she came home with two things that have constantly impressed me. And she said, number one is that they told the, the servers that when you bring the check out, uh, draw a little smiley face on it, say thanks and sign your name and kneel down at face level to the customer and hand it to them. And evidently they had proven that if you did that, your tips go up by 20%. Mm. Um, simple little things. And, and the point being is that pharmacies need to train their staffs to deal with people, not just how to do calculations and operate the machine. Mm. The other thing, and, and I actually have used it in several of my CE presentations, they went through this scenario about everybody knows the golden rule, treat, like, treat other people like you want to be treated. And they taught her that that's fine from a moral sense. If you want to go to heaven, treat other people like you want to be treated. But if you want to be successful as a server, you need to treat people like they want to, to be treated. Mm -hmm. And the way that struck home to me, and, and Todd, you've traveled enough a lot. I can remember, you know, being out on the road three, four days, driving all over the place and, you know, going into a, a, a restaurant at 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, all by myself. And the server wants to come over and ask me what I want to drink. And then they go away and they come back and all I want to do is order a hamburger and a soda, you know, <laughs> and if, and if they could read that and get me my meal three minutes faster, their tip would be bigger than doing the normal process. So you have to learn to read people. Is Mrs. Jones in a good mood today? Um, do you, does she want to talk or does she want to be left alone? Uh, you know, hi, good to see you. And, and, you know, here's your medication. Uh, so treat people like that. You need to be a people person, you need to treat people like they need to be treated. And that's not the same to everybody all the time. Yep. Here's my favorite one, which I think dovesacked where we started is do something else exceptionally well. So very early in, in my road trips, I, my wife who has always traveled with me was amazed at the number of different things an independent pharmacy can, can have. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen them with soda fountains. We've seen them with restaurants. We've seen them with clothing stores. We've seen them with mail office, you know, mail offices and post office things. We've seen them with jewelry stores. Um, you know, the, the point is, is that uh, one of my favorites is a guy who the first one I saw who had a little homemade fudge stand in his pharmacy. Um, the, the point being is, is that if you're filling prescriptions quickly and accurately, 
there's nothing that you're doing that is worth talking about. And um, so pharmacies have an opportunity to do something else, run an exceptional pharmacist and do something else exceptionally well, be really notable. Um, first road trip pharmacy I visited was Butler's Pharmacy in uh, Point Pleasant, New Jersey, uh, cute little big pharmacy. And their tagline is we go to Butler's for our gifts. So they were a big gift store. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a traditional place for pharmacies all the way to the fudge. And then clearly in the DME, I did a project for a couple of years with a, a franchise program that puts people in the home infusion business. You know, you can go anywhere you want. I'm constantly in intrigued by up in our mall. We have a lady who runs a store for water. Um, and I keep thinking, what a great side business for a pharmacy. Water is our most basic healthcare requirement. Mm -hmm. So she sells filters and, and all that kind of stuff. And she runs a nice little business in the mall, just selling water. And it's amazing how many different directions she's gone. With the COVID, I'm constantly amazed that we haven't done more with air purifiers and, uh, you know, those kinds of things that, you know, that fit into the healthcare motif. So you avoid, you know, keep the bugs out of your house with the blue lights and uh, I'm not seeing anybody doing that kind of stuff. And I think that there's huge opportunities in that area. So do something else, healthcare related primarily, but if you've got a passion for something else, follow that passion and do that as well. So do something else exceptionally well. Um, in that regard, I guess I want to say two subtexts. Um, I, doing these other things requires something more than standing behind a counter and having people walk in and say, hey, can you fill this? Mm -hmm. It requires proactive involvement. And, uh, and we oftentimes call that sales or salesmanship. And that's a tough thing to get most pharmacists to do. I like to take the pressure off the selling by saying show and tell, mm -hmm. don't sell. Um, so your job as a, as a pharmacist, as a healthcare professional is to explain to people why this will help them and then let them make a choice. Don't feel like you need to sell it today. My first thing I learned as a sales rep was it wasn't until the third time I called on the drugstore that anybody talked to me. So first time in, yeah, I'm too busy. I don't want to talk to you, leave a card and kind of judge whether or not I, you know, was rude or not. The second time I come in, I might get a, you know, yeah, good to see you again. I, you know, and the third time I came in, they said, hey, this guy's for real as they start talking to them. I think the same thing's true with pharmacists when we start recommending products to them or services to them. If they don't buy the first time, we get embarrassed and awkward and my, my point is don't expect to sell the first time you, you, your job is to show and tell explain um, and the people will buy later once they have trust in you and once they're more comfortable with the situation so um, and and the other thing is you can't do five different directions you have to figure out something to specialize in that's going to be an anchor for you get that working and then go someplace else and and so uh, do something else exceptionally well. Yeah, I think what you referenced in that um, 
don't sell, you know, show and tell is the is the keyword education. And pharmacists are natural educators anyway. Yes. Um, take advantage of of your supplement business. Take advantage of, you know, that the 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 pharmacist owner that concentrated on purified water and what water does for your body. There's a lot of education that goes into that. And you're um most likely a respected individual of the community anyway. So I think there's a trust level. Pharmacists are second, if not first, most trusted uh, healthcare professional in place. There's reasons behind that. So take advantage of that and educate and and then you won't have to sell. And, and you know, and certainly make sure that you're educating on stuff that you believe in. So yes. it's got to be valid. It's got to be helpful. Um, you know, the easiest one for me to recognize that, but for still surprised the number of pharmacies who don't go gangbusters on immunizations. Uh, you know, an above and beyond flu shots. I mean, that's just a natural thing for a pharmacy to do. Um, so anyhow, uh, the, the other one is one that I don't know that I've ever heard anybody talk about in an organized fashion. And that is the golden opportunity the typical independent pharmacy has to be the local media guru. Mm. Um, COVID had a lot of people jumping into this for the first time but I maintain that opportunity has been there for years. So the, the CVS pharmacist is not talking to the newspaper or the radio station. And mm-hmm. you know, that just isn't happening. And there's things that happen in the news every day that have something to do with healthcare and medications. Uh, and, you know, establishing a relationship with the newspaper, the local radio station, you know, you, you don't, you're not going there to get featured on TV or, or, but it, you know, it's what you really want to have happen, but you just really want to let them know, Hey, I saw something in the news today, um, you know, about the price of insulin, or I saw something in the news today about Mark Cuban's cost plus drug company, or I saw something in the news today about drug shortages. Um, you know, if, if, if you ever want to have anybody to talk with you about what that means for the people in our town, uh, I'd be happy to do that. And, you know, once you get on the the radio or, or have an uh, article written in the newspaper where they feature, feature you once or twice, you become the easy place for them to go. Because the, the last thing the local newspaper wants to do is to run the AP story uh, that came out on the newswire. They'd love to have an angle for what that means in in Prescott, Arizona, where I live. So um, there's there's opportunities to do that. It doesn't take much time. It doesn't. You already have the expertise. It just takes the uncomfortable reach out to the newspaper and let them know that you're there to talk. Um, and that's a simple email. Say. You know, you get the, the the go to the web. You find the editor, and you say, you know, Tom, I couldn't help but notice on the drive into work this morning that, you know, they're talking about Mark Cuban's drug company and PBMs. And if you want to talk to me about what that means for the people in our town, I'm happy to talk. First time you do it, nothing's going to happen. The second time you do it, the mic guy might respond and say, Yeah, we're already full. It's too late. Third time you do it, you finally get to talk to somebody, and before you know it, two or three months later, you're in the in the newspaper routinely. Yep. That's uh, and I've idea. seen that, I've seen that happen. I mean, I, there's just people who make that happen. Um, so number seven, 
This is the one that's probably the hardest for uh, an entrepreneurial pharmacist to accept, but you can't do it all. You got to get help. And um, I'm, I'm talking about help above and beyond the staff that you have in your pharmacy. Um, most people have an accountant and a tax person, a lawyer, because they know they're not experts in that, but then they try to be a, a marketing person and think that they're going to be good at that. Uh, they're going to try to be a business, con, you know, do, be a business coach. There, there's companies out there that can help you do these things better than you can do them. And, and marketing is, is my hot button. That's my hot spot. Um, you know, marketing is more than advertising. M marketing is thinking and planning and figuring out what new service I'm going to do, what service would be appropriate in the community, what skills do I have, and, and then figuring out how do you approach it? How do you, how do you get trained? How do you bring it in? And then how do you tell people about it? And the, the perfect example for me is I've talked to dozens of pharmacists who say, you know, I tried MedSync, but it didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and I've talked to dozens of pharmacists who've tried it and made it work. Um, and the difference is the approach that they took. How did they approach people? How did they explain it? How did they package it? How did they figure out who to start with? And, uh, you know, your wholesaler, your, your buying group, um, and then entrepreneurs of all sorts in the industry are there to help do these things. Um, you know, you, 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 you're familiar with many of them who are on the social networks. You figure out how to help with, you know, PG testing or nu nutritional supplements or just TV advertising don't be afraid to hire somebody to help you do these kinds of things. The, 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 the classic thing with advertising is you have to figure out something important to say, and then you have to say it well. And important to say is not, you know, we're fast, friendly, and, and convenient, or we've been here for 50 years. You have to figure out what you're going to really say that matters and sinks through and, and dives, you know, dives ahead. And, 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 and that's a skill that takes, you don't get that in pharmacy school. Um, so, you know, professionals who can help you with marketing, advertising, slogan building, uh, logos, yeah, all those yeah. kinds of things that all matters. And, um, and so get help for that kind of stuff if you, if you possibly can. So that's my wad for today. <laughs> that's terrific i appreciate you sharing your insights with um with the listeners that you know you're listening out there and you think of well how do i do this you know do it in small steps you don't have to you don't have to be perfect before you launch a instagram station or a even a tiktok my goodness there's phil is my pharmacist phil crowley is this um tiktok internet star and he's a community pharmacy owner and he does a TikTok every day. He's putting content out, but that's not the way it started. He originally, he was only doing like one every other week or one every two weeks. And then he started getting more used to it. And that information source, the media piece, you can start by doing it on your own Facebooks and on your own um, you know, social environments to become that resource. Even if the local news doesn't pick you up, you can do it from your own means as a, as a media source yeah. and as a trusted source. 
and then rinse and repeat or reach out to one of your pharmacy technicians or reach out to an, one of your shift pharmacists or someone that has that look and that personality that may already be good at social media. And like you're saying, Bruce, now you're reaching to other experts or other people who are good at it. And, and then you're, build, you're building a team and you're yeah. having fun. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it, you're spot on there. Uh, and thanks for, you know, the social media thing always is a, the, the third or fourth way, way I go. And that's because I'm old. But, um, <laughs> it, 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 it is, it is, it needs to be done and everybody needs to do it. And, and um, I, I think doing it well is escaping many people who are still doing it on their own, but it needs to be genuine and it needs to be you. Um, and, and that's how you communicate to people. Exactly. I've appreciated uh, working with you over the years, um, Bruce. Um, I think uh, 2023 is going to bring in some, not only some new challenges, but some new opportunities to our community pharmacies. And I'm glad that Pharmacy Crossroads is a a way to come to the crossroads of the business of pharmacy and use that place where I envision four lanes um, of four decisions. And, and Pharmacy Crossroads is never just one way of executing on something. It's a meshing of ideas. It's a cultivating of people. And it's a, it's bringing together this community, um, which is the center of what is community pharmacy. And like I said, I've so much appreciated not only your wisdom, but the time that you've put into this publication and uh, your environment. So thank you for that. Well, and and just to make sure everybody's clear, the Crossroads podcast is different from this because I'm actually talking to a smart person who's <laughs> doing something. So uh, I, I get to play your role in the uh, in the Pharmacy Crossroads podcast thing. So I'm almost always talking to an owner who's doing something remarkable and uh, learning from others is, is kind of the way we, we grow. So that's the, that's the idea behind the show. Well, thank you. And thank you to our listeners for uh, tuning in. If you're a pharmacy owner and you're listening to this and you think there's some value to it, please share it with another pharmacy owner. Um, that in it of itself is the basis of community and, and helping each other to be successful. And um, Bruce, we're looking forward to, more from you in the upcoming new year and and i thank you so much for everything you, you do thank you